this word of God that I'm holding in my hands, it's a real privilege for us to have the word of God in our hands on a daily basis. If you think about it, the people in the Old Testament, they only had the Ten Commandments and then later the law and then all the other books that were written in the Old Testament were only discovered and gathered at a much later stage. So they had very little. Then you get to the people in the New Testament. They had some of the Old Testament. It hadn't all been gathered yet. And we get to sit today with all of it. Have you ever thought of that? We have the entire Bible in our hands today. I think we're the most privileged people on earth to be able to hold this in our hands. They would have given anything to be in our place that we are today. We have the whole word of God in our hands. And today, I'm going to read one story from the word of God that I'm hoping is going to bring courage into your lives. But I'd like to pray first before we do that, because we need the Holy Spirit to help us. We can read the stories, but unless the Holy Spirit gives us revelation and understanding, we stay unchanged. And so we need the Holy Spirit to help us this morning. Lord, we thank you that all of us can sit here today. What a privilege. Firstly, to be together, but secondly, to be able to look at your word now. Thank you for that privilege, Lord. We remind ourselves of how wonderful that is. And we would ask of you today, Holy Spirit, that as we look at Scripture, I pray in Jesus' name that it would come alive to us this morning, that you would give us revelation and understanding so that we would know and hear what it is you wanting to say to us this morning. We ask you to speak to us, Almighty God, this morning. You're the living God who loves to speak to your children. And we pray that today you really would, to everybody, you would speak to them. We ask you to unblock our deaf ears and give us an understanding of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I am really trusting that as we look at this story together, that God is going to put courage into you. I'm trusting that the story is going to make you brave. Not brave because you now get self-confidence, but brave because you get God-confidence. You see something about God, and it makes you brave. So when I talk about courage and braveness, I'm not talking about self-confidence. I'm talking about understanding something about God and then being brave because of that. In World War I, there was a fighter pilot whose name was Manfred von Richthofen. And he was nicknamed the Red Baron. I watched a movie about his life on Netflix the other night, and this is where I got this information. It's a true story of the Red Baron. The movie's called The Red Baron. And he was nicknamed the Red Baron because he painted his fighter pilot, Red. So all the other aircraft in the armies were gray because they wanted to blend in. 
and not be noticed. But the Red Baron painted his red so that he would stand out. And his fellow fighters said to him, that's insane. You're actually asking for a death sentence. And he said to them, I want the enemy to see me coming, and I want them to be very afraid. Isn't that incredible courage? He said, I want the enemy to see me coming, and I want to make them very afraid. Because he knew what ability he had, the Red Baron. That's courage. So let's turn to our story this morning. Exodus 17. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn to Exodus 17, we're going to read it together, and then I'm just going to share a few points about it. So it says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll. That's how we get to know about the story today, because Moses wrote it on a scroll, and the scroll got passed down. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So if we can go back to uh, verse 8, Alex, thank you. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God had delivered them using Moses, and they were now happily walking through the desert. Well, not happily walking. They were moaning, they were groaning, they were filled with fear, they were walking through the desert. And what happens now in this story is the first battle that they face. This is the first, but there are going to be many, many more battles for them to fight. And God wanted to teach them a very important lesson in their first battle so that all the other battles to come, they would know what to do. So this was really important. The Israelites needed to know how to fight this battle so that when the next 10, 20 came, they would be equipped. It's a bit like if you're my age and older when you taught your child to drive for the first time. You wanted to make sure that you did a really good job because you knew that they're going to be driving for the rest of their lives and they have to know all the basics. Otherwise, there's going to be trouble. Can you remember when your mom or dad taught you how to drive a car? It was a serious occasion. 
Because for the rest of your life, you're going to be driving. You better know how to do it well. And it's the same thing with this story. God is wanting to teach them some things that will stand them in good stead. So verse 8, it says that Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. The Amalekites were a fierce nomadic tribe that lived in the desert near the Red Sea. And they were descendants of Esau, and they used to make frequent raids on other settlements. That's how they made a living. They just raided other settlements. And they killed for pleasure. And when they saw the Israelites, they thought, here's another easy target. But as we read, the Israelites did nothing to provoke this battle. The Amalekites just came and attacked them. Sometimes the battles we fight in our life and the trials we have to face are not because we've provoked anything. They just come. Life is difficult. And we do have an enemy. Piet's been speaking the last two weeks about battles. We know we've got an enemy. Sometimes battles come. They just come. It's got nothing to do with us. Other battles we know are because of the mistakes we make. And sin we enter into. And because of those things, battles come our way. But this one was an unprovoked battle. The Amalekites just attacked them. Verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Moses' staff was a sign of God's power. Remember at the Red Sea? when they were being pursued by the Egyptians, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, God said to Moses, hold out your staff over the Red Sea, and then God made a pathway through. It was the power of God, symbol of the power of God. And then when they were all thirsty in the desert and didn't have any water, God said to Moses, hit the rock with your staff. And what happened? The rock broke open and water came out. So the staff is a sign of God's power. And now, once again, in the first battle they faced, Moses has to hold up his staff as a sign of God's power. Let's carry on reading there. I will stand on the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Next one, please. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. When Moses was doing this, holding up his hands. He was 80 at the time. Have you ever tried holding up your hands for an extended period of time? It's fine for the first three minutes. And then eventually gravity starts to pull and it gets really hard. He was 80 at the time. And do you know how long this battle lasted? 15 hours. It says till sunset, 15 hours. So Moses at the age of 80 is having to hold up his hands like this for 15 hours. And obviously, we see in the story, he can't do it. 
And so her and Aaron come alongside. Firstly, they give him a rock to sit on, which is wonderful, and then they hold up his hands. God is wanting to teach the Israelites this, and he's also wanting to show this is where our courage comes from. When the Hebrews prayed, they always prayed with their hands held high. So if the Hebrews had to have a prayer meeting, they would walk around and they would be praying like this. Or they would sit and they would pray and their arms would be raised. The Hebrews prayed with their arms raised up. In other cultures like us, you might teach your children to pray like this, don't we? We say, put your hands together, we're going to pray now. We've got different postures of prayer. None is right, none is wrong. It's just the Hebrews always prayed with their arms raised up. And so God is saying to Moses, raise your hands. As long as your hands are raised, you're going to win. If your hands are down, you're not going to win. God is saying to the Israelites and to us today, in battle, in trials, prayer is paramount. Prayer is so important when we face things in our lives. When those Hebrews were raising their hands, they were saying to God, I depend on you. That's what they were saying. They were saying, God, we're calling upon the name of the Lord because we know we can't do this ourselves. We're calling upon you. They were showing, God, you're central in this battle. They were saying, God, we know we're going to win because we're praying to you, not because of anything of our own ability. And so that sign of hands being raised was just God saying to the Israelites, in every battle, you need to pray. You need to pray. And not only was God on the Israelite side, but God is so kind. He puts us around each other. So Moses couldn't do it on his own. Ur and Aaron had to help him. And then they could continue. God knows our frailty. He knows how human we are. And he puts us with friendships of believers so that we are together in a battle. I love the fact that it wasn't just Moses. It was the three of them. Courage comes when we realize, firstly, there is partnership with God. God does not leave us to fight the battle alone. He's always with us. We're in a partnership with him. Don't you love the fact that you get um, the people that are fighting on the ground, then you get Moses holding up the staff, then you get Aaron and her on either side. It's like and then you get God who actually wins the battle for them. It's this incredible partnership between God and his people. There's always something for us to do. But our part and God's part are very different sizes. We have our part to play, and then God comes in and wins the victory. But it's a partnership, and that gives us courage. That should give us courage, is knowing that whatever it is you're facing, God is with you. He hasn't left you alone. He is with you. And because there's a partnership of God and a partnership with other people, victory is imminent. On Tuesday morning, every Tuesday morning, I meet with a group of ladies here. And it started 
because of this. I had some people in my family that were not Christians, and I had a real burden that they would come to know Jesus. And then I was speaking to a friend of mine, and she said, oh, my brother doesn't know Jesus. And I was speaking to another one, and she was saying, my parents don't know Jesus. So I said, why don't we get together every Tuesday morning, and we pray together for our family members that we want to see come to know the Lord. And so we've been doing this for a while, maybe a year and a half, every Tuesday. And you know what's so wonderful? Often, I run out of prayers for my own family. I run out of patience for my own family. I go to pray with them. I've been praying for them for, for, them for so many years, and it just seems a bit dry. And then I go into this group, and these ladies start praying for my family members. And I start praying for their children and for their parents. And all of a sudden, energy and freshness comes in. And our hands are lifted high together. It's like when my hands are tired of praying for them, my friends come around me and they pray. And I get this fresh energy that comes into me to keep praying. That's a very simple picture of what it means to stand together in a battle. In our previous church in South Africa, there were four ladies who were my friends whose husbands did not know Jesus. And they had been praying for their husbands for many, many years and hadn't seen anything happen. And so we decided on a Friday afternoon for one hour, we were going to get together and we were going to pray just for their husbands, for nothing else, but just for their husbands. And do you know within one year, three out of the four husbands gave their lives to Jesus through no cleverness of our own. All we did was gather together and pray. And God did the rest. It's a very powerful principle that God was wanting to teach the Israelites and us this morning. So I would implore you, I would encourage you, get together with one or two, somewhere in your week, and pray. And see what God does. Right, verse 10, if we carry on reading, says, Yes, then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. In Hebrew, the Lord is my banner is Jehovah Nissi. You would, some of you would have heard that term, Jehovah Nissi. It's a name given to God, Jehovah Nissi. And it means, the Lord is my banner. It's the first time God shows his name to the Israelites in this way. The Lord is my banner. Now, in our culture, if I had to ask you, what's a banner? What do you understand when someone says they have a banner? You would probably say, it's something you hang on the wall like maybe over there with some sort of a sign, a banner. Maybe at a football game, you see people holding up their um, team that they're supporting. They're waving their banners. That's maybe what a banner is to us. But in those days, a banner was a very different thing. This is what a banner looked like. So it was a rod, a pole, like this. I want you to imagine it three times thicker and maybe twice as high, okay? It was a massive pole. 
This was the banner. And how it worked is, when the Israelite army went to war, someone would be in the middle holding up the banner. And that was his job, was to hold up the banner. And sometimes the banner had a symbol on top, sometimes it had a flag. It was different. But when the Israelites held up this banner, it would have shown that they were Israelites. And now the Lord says to Moses, I am your banner. This is what he was saying. I am this in the midst of my people. And this is why it's so important. When you saw an army coming against you from the distance, you couldn't see the people. They were too small. But you could see the banner. From a hill far off, you could see this. And they would know the Israelites are coming. Or this army's coming. You would always see the banner first before you saw the people. Do you remember the story I told you of the Red Baron? He said, I want the enemy to see me coming and let them be very afraid. You see, when the Amalekites picked on the Israelites, they had no idea who they were and they had no idea who their God was. But had they understood, they would have seen the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi, and I think they would have run the other way because they first saw the banner. A banner was also used, so in those days it's hand-to-hand fighting. So everyone's on the battlefield and they're fighting. And during the fight, 15 hours, you get spread apart from each other. And a soldier could end up there, another one could end up on that hill, you get spread. So what happens is when you've killed the person that you're fighting against, you look up and you've got to regroup. And they look for the banner. And they regroup towards the banner. And they get fresh um, advice of what to do, and they go out again. So the banner also um, helped for people to come together. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner. Courage comes from reminding ourselves this morning who we are. We are his. We sit this morning under the banner of Jehovah, under the banner of God Almighty. We remind ourselves who we belong to. We remind ourselves this morning whose army are we in. We are together in this army facing our battles in this life. You know, in the spiritual realms, I don't think the enemy sees us, really, but I do think he sees this when he looks at me. When I acknowledge that Jesus is my banner and I keep him central in my life, I do think the enemy sees this when he looks at me. And I might be frail, I might be not so courageous, not so brave, (laughs) but the enemy sees this. And that's why we can have courage in our battle. It's never about how clever we are. You know, on paper, the Israelites would have lost that fight. They were way smaller, way weaker than the Amalekites. But it wasn't about what's on paper. It was about who's the banner. I want to give you a little quote, which has helped me when I face 
difficult things in my life, and it's this. Don't tell God how big your battle is. Tell your battle how big your God is. Let me read that again. Don't tell God how big your battle is. Tell your battle how big your God is. If you understand Jehovah Nissi, you will be able to tell your battle how big your God is. God was wanting to teach the Israelites not to be afraid because victory comes from him. Can we put up Psalm 44 verse 3? This is talking about all the battles that the Israelites fought over the years. And it says this, It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. God loves you. I pray for a fresh revelation of the love of God. He loves you. He loves being your Jehovah Nissi. He loves partnering with you in your battle. He loves walking with you through life. He loves you. And as long as we're alive, we've got situations, we've got circumstances that we're going to have to face. But God loves you so much that firstly, he's partnering with you. Secondly, he's put others around you. And thirdly, he's Jehovah Nissi, your banner. We're going to sing a song now that talks about a lot of this. And I pray that as you sing it, I'm really trusting that the Holy Spirit just settles something in your spirit. And that courage rises up for whatever we face tomorrow.